Mark chapter number 10. And we're going to start down verse number 23. Mark 10, verse 23. And Jesus looked around about and said unto His disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at His words. But Jesus answereth again and saith unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they were astonished out of measure, saying amongst themselves, Who then can be saved? And Jesus looked upon them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that have left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecution and in the world to come eternal life. The many there are first shall be last, and the last first. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Dear Jesus, thank You for another time to be together. I appreciate this church and, Lord, their love for You. And, Lord, I pray as we come now, Lord, that our hearts would be in tune. We'd, we'd pause from the busyness of life. Lord, just focus on Your Word. Lord, I pray You be with us now in a special way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This passage is clearly linked to last week's study that we saw about the rich young ruler. In verses 17 to 22, a wealthy man has just turned his back on Jesus and walked away. There was a discussion with Jesus, but he decided no. And Jesus told uh, this man how to be saved. He, he told him that he needed to sell everything to possess and, and give all away to the poor. But really what Jesus was telling him is that you have to die to yourself and surrender to me. All right. This, the formula wasn't sell everything you get to heaven. The formula was accept Jesus Christ as Savior. That's the formula. All right. But this man had some heart problems with that. He he wasn't willing to do that. And when the young man heard the words of Jesus, he turns away, around and walks away. And so, in essence, what he chose, he didn't repent because the idea of repentance is a change direction. Right. Uh, I'm going this way, and I repent, and I turn from it. This man comes to Jesus, and rather than turning from his riches, he goes back to it. He was at a decision point, and he chose that I'm going to keep my wealth. And he choose, chose his own way. And uh, he chose outside of Christ. He refused to. As far as we know, we don't have anywhere in Scripture that tells that he got saved, that he made that choice. So if he did re- remain that choice the rest of his life, you know what he chose? He, to- he chose eternal death. He chose not Christ. I do it my way. I'm going to do it my way. And the reality is, if you do it your way, you're not going to go to heaven because you need Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And that's what Jesus told that man. And the disciples were probably excited about the prospect that a, a, this fellow like this was going to join their number. I mean, he, he had wealth. He had power. He had position. 
And, and uh, a lot of folks in our churches like that idea too. When a, a wealthy, powerful individual comes, that uh, you know, try to be courted to say, hey, "Come with us and you know, give, and you can give a lot, and uh, you know, and help our church." And we got to be careful about that man, uh, mentality. James really comes down hard in the church and says, "Hey." Don't prefer someone who is rich or who's poor. We're all the same in Jesus' eye. Amen? We're all the same. We're all the same and treat all the same and, and, and bring them the gospel. And Jesus had a, a different approach in the disciples and the church that James was talking to. Uh, he was not impressed by this young man's portfolio. Didn't impress him a bit. His position in the synagogue didn't make the Lord say, well, well done, young fellow. No. Or his promise in community didn't impress the Lord. Jesus saw the man for what he needed, and what he needed was him. The man needed Jesus. That's what he needed. And he offered the man everlasting life by accepting Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. But the man chose to walk away. And when he leaves, in verse number 22, and he was sad to say, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. Then Jesus takes this moment in verse number 23, because it happens right after. He takes this moment to teach the disciples about the dangers of riches in this world. And he teaches them some truths that I believe apply to every generation. It wasn't just that generation. We see the first, the truth about riches. The truth about riches. Verses 23, 25, the Lord confronts the disciples on some things. He, he, he says, uh, he makes an announcement as such. I mean, we don't see any discussion happening between Jesus and the disciples here. It says Jesus looked around about, and then he said, and then he spoke to his disciples. Maybe, maybe that young rich ruler is just out of earshot now. Maybe he walked maybe five, ten minutes away from them, and he looks around his man and he makes a statement that is astonishing to the disciples. He says the people who possess the riches of this world will have a great difficulty entering into God's kingdom. The problem is not the person having money. Okay? That's not the problem. The problem is when money has the person. That's the problem. Uh, it's, it's not money. We, hey, aren't you glad you get paid each week? You're not awake yet this morning. You're glad you get paid each week or every other week or once a month, however it happens. You, you're glad for that money because you have to pay the mortgage and pay the car or fix the car or fix the house or buy new clothes or get some more groceries. That's definitely top of my list every week, groceries. But the reality is we need money to survive. That's understandable. But the problem is, is when money has you. Money's to be your servant. Money does, money should never be your master. Alright? Uh, so that's the problem. This ruler was wealthy, but but his, his riches possessed him, not him possessing the riches. It was a recipe for spiritual disaster. For First Timothy six ten says, "For the love of money is the root of all evil." No, money's not the root of all. It's the money. Is the love of it. So he makes an announcement. It's very difficult. And in verse number twenty four, the word there, the and the disciples were astonished. Astonished. That has the idea of amazement. Okay, like something, just think of something in your life that's happened that has just amazed you. And the idea can be over to a little bit of being frightened. Like it, it really, it really shook them that, that, that this would be said. Because when they heard this, it really blew them out of the water. These men uh, saw 
financial prosperity as a blessing from God. You know, the Jews at that time believed and still do believe that health, wealth, and prosperity are blessings from the Lord. And there's lots of people outside of Jews who believe the same way too today. You know, if I have all these things, I'm being blessed. You know, we think about their uh, great leaders of the uh, of the Jewish time period. Abraham was rich. David was rich. Jacob was rich. You know, a lot of the spiritual leaders they would look to, they had wealth. They had material. They had lots. But those men, they were not possessed by what they had. They possessed it that, you know, I'm in charge. So all the, a lot of the religious heroes would have been wealthy men. So it's kind of, what, what are you talking about? And many in our day have the same kind of mindset. Consider the claims of health and wealth movement. You know, the, the preachers tell us that uh, when we're right with God, we have plenty of money and perfect health. Anything less than that proves that you're not right with the Lord. Uh, that is so seriously fogged, folks. Like, if you hear anything like that on the radio, let me give you some really good advice. Turn it off. They're a bunch of liars. All right? Just turn it off. Ignore them. Because it ain't true. It's not true. Then in verse number 24, you know, so they're, they're astonished, and Jesus sees it. He, he can see, he senses their amazement, and he begins to clarify what he's trying to tell them. And he calls his men children. Now, this is not a term of, uh, of, uh, of rebuke. This is, uh, trying, the Lord is being endearing to them. So, you know, it's not like we go to work, someone calls, hey kid, go move that box over there, and you're 35 years old, you don't like being called a kid anymore. That's not what's being said here. This is the Lord is trying to reach them and, and try to help them understand. He tells them that people who trust in riches will find salvation impossible. They'll find it impossible. And it'd be like trying to stuff a camel through the eye of a sewing needle. Have any of you here recently sewed with a sewing needle? Raise your hand if you've done it recently. A few of us. Okay. I have. Oh, I can't stand this. I mean, this little tiny thread. And I mean, I don't got big hands or anything. I'm trying to get that. I mean, I don't got much of a tremor, but it seems like it's doing this, but I'm trying to get that little line through there. It's so small and so irritating. And then when I get it through, I've got to be careful because I end up throwing it right through the hole. Through the hole. And then i got to do it all over again. It's so small. So there's no way you're going to get a camel through that, right? There's no way. There's just no way. The Lord is using exaggeration to emphasize the truth. I know a whole lot of Newfoundlanders who do the same thing. We exaggerate to kind of give you the truth. I can remember this one time. I was visiting someone at the hospital. A friend came to the door and her hair was everywhere. Just And she had a big, big lot of hair and it was everywhere. I was like, is it windy out there? She goes, it's wet enough to blow your head off. I'm like, well, it almost did. <laughs> you know, but the idea of the exaggeration to tell the truth, to, to you know, to, to say, hey, this is emphasizing the truth. Jesus is, is referring to a literal camel and a literal needle. And what he's saying is exactly what he means. If a person trusts in their riches, they will not go to heaven. Plain simple. He's laying it right out there. If they trust their riches. That was the ruler's problem. His wealth was his God. Remember, this portion of Scripture is tied to that, that situation that we looked at last week. Previous verses with the rich ruler. His wealth was his focus. Focus of his faith. His wealth was his reason for living and he refused to let it go. 
In our world, uh, riches are viewed as blessing, and they are blessing. Riches are, let's just be honest. But the idea is that they come to a point where you trust the riches rather than trust God. Rather than trust God. They come to believe that their money can buy them anything. They, they surround themselves with people who have a lot of riches uh, uh, that they won't tell them no. And often they, uh, they use their money as a shield from problem, and they look to, to uh, help provide uh, joy and comfort and things. So the reality is, the money becomes the object of worship. If I'm looking for looking at someone or something to provide me happiness, to provide me joy, to protect me, I'm viewing it as a god. Let's just be honest. And I, this message this morning, I know it's not going to be well received in our world today because our world runs to riches, right? And that's the that's the that's the running point. We need riches. People who seek salvation in their own resources will be disappointed because there's no way you can save yourself. There's no way. They'll find that their money, fame, power cannot provide them with the one thing above all other things, and that's the salvation of their soul. You can't do it. No one who puts trust in their money or power will be saved. Only you can. only way you can be saved in this world is to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's it. There is no other way. There's only one path to salvation. And the reality is, if you listen to very many people uh, preaching online or on the radio, they'll say there's all kinds of pathways to heaven. I'm telling you right now, there's only one. There's only one. Is that because I was in my study all week and I came up with the path? No, the path has been before us for thousands of years. It's Jesus Christ. He is the only pathway to heaven. Him alone. No other way. Uh, and, and Acts 16, 31 says, And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. That was the, the jailer who said, comes to Paul and says, "How? What must I do to be saved? And he tells him, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. But by me. The key word here is trust. There's nothing wrong. I always said it. There's nothing wrong uh, with money and possessions. I love going back to my uh, parents' place. And my dad has this huge, massive pickup truck. It's so nice. It's beautiful. It's king cab. I don't even know what it means and anything. I mean, I just like getting in it. Like It's nice and comfortable, and the, the seats are warm. I mean, it's great. It's a possession that my dad owns. I'm kind of glad he owns it. I don't want to pay insurance or the gas or the maintenance. You know, I'm glad my dad has it. He uses it for work. It's great. There's nothing wrong with things. It's when we or those things become the object of our desire and our worship, then they're elevated to a place they should never be, and that's elevated to a place of an idol. And we got to watch out for it because we can easily do it. You know, the passage I have to speak to our hearts today, when we look around our world today, that, that there's, there's all kinds of uh, different individuals, and you might say, well, well, pastor, uh, there ain't no rich people here. You know, we're not that rich here. Now, let me just challenge you on that thought a little bit. And this is not so much from a biblical perspective, though we are rich, but just look at our human perspective in the sense of where we live. We're rich. We're really rich. 
I realize that uh, I, I'm, I'm not aware that we have any millionaires in our congregation, and if there is, you're doing a really good job. We don't know. No, I'm kidding. Okay. And there's definitely no billionaires, okay? But, you know, we're, we don't have those in our congregation. That's fine. But we're still rich. We're still rich. 55, or sorry, 56% of the world's population, or 3.4 billion people, live in extreme poverty. And, and they survive on an income less than $730 per year. $730 per year. So what, uh, $2 a day? I drop more than $2 on the way to church for a coffee. I'm just trying to put it in perspective. You're sitting in pews like, oh, I'm not, I'm not definitely not one of those people. You're talking about Pastor Alcock. Yeah, you are. You're rich. You know, the average Canadian, sorry, uh, half of that number, 1.7 billion of that pro- pro- folks in extreme poverty, they live on less than $1 a day. $1 a day. The average Canadian makes $971 a week. That's average. You might say, well, I'm not making that. Well, that's, I'm just giving you an average. An average. We uh, make more than half the world does in a year in one week. So next time you, uh, and you know what it is, we, we are lo- we're really good at comparing, right? Oh, man, that guy has, uh, I'm so poor compared to him. Over three billion, uh, three billion people got up this morning not knowing where they would get their next meal. Many don't have adequate clothing and shelter. And many of us got up today in a nice home, uh, plenty of clothing. You know, you know I dropped $2 for a coffee this morning already, so we have some money. Enough food to keep us alive for a number of days. We are rich. Our society is rich. Our culture is rich. Our, our country is rich. Um, and one of the major problems with wealth is that when wealth causes us, causes us to trust in wrong things in life, it causes us to trust things that we should never trust. You know, the reality is uh, we should be, we're trusting. We're putting our uh, we're walking the pathway of life, and we're putting our feet on uh, on things that we should never put our weight on because we could fall through. I, I did lots of hiking in Newfoundland growing up along the coast. And you always had to be really watchful about where you're walking because erosion takes place every minute of every day. So the trail could be great two, two weeks ago, but if you're not careful this week, the trail might not be there at all. You have to watch out where you put your next step. And that's, that comes in place to have that nice uh, walking stick. If you're not certain, you push, press on the, the grass. If it sinks down, you don't go near it. You keep moving it. And so with wealth, we could have the problem of putting it in the wrong, or trust in the wrong places. Riches can trust, uh, tempt people to hoard up what they have. We can hoard. There'd be strong temptation to think that, uh, you know, uh, I, I need more. I need to use it to gain more things. I don't know if you ever watch any of those hoarding shows, but it's kind of disgusting, isn't it? Like, wow. But why are you collecting? We, we should be acting as a conduit to help other people, amen? We should be acting that way. And so riches can be a temptation to hoard. And riches can bind us too tightly to the earth. This is, folks, I know this is our home right now, but our eternal home is in heaven, amen, if we know Jesus Christ as our Savior. So this is temporal. And I understand that uh, if you live to 100, that's a long time, but that doesn't take long to go. Then we get to spend eternity... In heaven, if we know Christ as Savior, 
we need to be understanding we shouldn't be holding too tightly to the earth. Our focus should be on laying up things in heaven. Amen? Yeah, that's what the Bible tells us about doing. Lay not up yourselves treasures upon the earth where moth and rust and doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. Now, thieves don't care who you are. They'll take whatever they can get. Let's be, let's be focused on putting up things in heaven. Riches often lead to other things. Wealth can think, make people think they have no boundaries in their lives. And we sadly see that so much in our society. I have money, so I'll take care of that. My money can wipe that away. And that, there can be a, a, a begin to live a way that is not pleasing to the Lord. And we just gotta watch out for it. The riches can do that. We can become indifferent and self-satisfied and worldliness fleets on that affluency. But there's so many things we gotta watch out for. We gotta watch out for. That's the truth about riches. The truth about salvation. And they were astonished out of, uh, out of measure, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? And Jesus looked upon them and said, with men, with man it is impossible, not with God, for with God all things are possible. These men heard what Jesus had to say and they, they were astonished. They, they, they couldn't believe it. Astonished out of measure means it blew their minds. That's the idea. Just totally, what? This is unbelievable. We've, we've never heard of this before. Uh, you, you've probably been in that situation when someone's giving you some really good information. I like to use the good information example. And like your, your mouth, your, your jaw just drops. You've been there. Something fantastic's happened and it kind of blew you out of the water and you're just, you, you just, can't say anything. You're, 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 you're moved. So same idea here with the disciples. So they hear that and they're a little dumbfounded. They're a little confused, maybe a little dazed. And then they look to Jesus and say, who then can be saved? Great question when you don't understand what's happening. Well, who then can be? They consider the situation and they realize that we don't know what's happening. So we need to ask Jesus who can be saved. And you know, well, how, how does this work? And his great answer in verse 27, the Lord said, and looks upon them with men is impossible, with God, for with God all things are possible. I love the word hope. And for a Christian, we have a certain hope in Jesus Christ, eternal life. I love the word hope because it's an encouraging word, isn't it? Think about, I remember when my mom got cancer, and I was in Bible college, and I remember my dad phoning me and telling me, and I, he was describing it, and I was in one of these places like the disciples. My mouth was hit the floor. I didn't know what to do. And then I remember my dad said, but Mark, there's hope. At those moments, hope is the best word in all the world, isn't it? It's an amazing word. But there's hope. But we don't think it's that bad, and there's hope. I mean, there's hope. And the hope is found in Jesus Christ. He tells them men might find it possible to break the hold of their things, but God and His power is able to set them free. Amen? I'm pretty sure I could get a lot of people up here this morning who would give the same testimony that Jesus Christ set me free. I couldn't do it on my own. I needed Jesus and He did it. He did it. If that ruler would have obeyed the call of the Lord Jesus Christ that day, God would have helped him, given the grace to relinquish his hold that the wealth had on his heart. 
the Lord would have saved his soul and blessed him. I mean, I don't know if he would have blessed him more materially, but he would have blessed him out of this world spiritually, wouldn't he? Because you have eternal life. You have a relationship with Jesus Christ. God is able to help anyone break the grip of whatever it may be that holds them captive. Holds them captive. He can break the grip of riches and drugs and alcohol and immorality, physical addiction. If you come to Jesus, you'll find that there's power to set you free. I'm not saying that you never make the mistake again. What I'm saying is that Jesus Christ, through His power, can give you power to get over it. Hey, we're sinners saved by grace. We can always make errors again. But God's power is greater than all. So just think about this. You call upon God. He's the one who created this universe. I mean, sometimes I got to, you know, sometimes I doubt. Imagine that. Pastor just said out loud, he doubts. We all human here. We all have our insecurities. We all have our fears. We don't know. We're afraid to step out into the dark. Then you realize that God's calling you that way. He has power to lead you. And has power to sustain you. He won't leave you alone. And if the God of this universe created this universe and says, go that way, I better be getting going. Because He'll take care of me as I go. God can bring redemption, salvation to anyone. Regardless of who they are, how they lived, what they're doing right now, what they've done, He's able to do what no man can do for them. He can save souls. Amen? He can save souls. And I really hope, church family, you're praying that people will get saved. I really hope you are. And if you haven't put that on your prayer list, Pastor Alcox asks you right now to put it on your prayer list. Be praying for people to get saved. People need to become and know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. The lost person needs to know about their condition before God. They're lost. They're lost. This week, this past Friday, I sat down with a bunch of junior high and high schoolers at a Christian school in Brampton, and I told them how I got saved. I told them, hey, listen, I was lost. I was lost. And even though I went to a good church, I went to a church so much like this church, very similar. And I heard the message preached day in and day out. I went to the Christian school the church had, and I heard about Jesus day in and day out, and that He provides salvation. But you know what kind of did? Over my head. Not because it was so high that I couldn't understand. I just didn't think I needed it. You know, I, was, I tried to be a good guy. I wasn't a bad fellow in school. I never got kicked out of school or anything of that nature. I obeyed my parents. But the reality is that I came to a point in my life that I knew that I was lost. That I was a sinner. I was dead in trespasses and sin. And I understood that if I didn't get this situation taken care of, I was going to a crisis eternity. That's a very sobering thought. It should be one for you. That should sober you up pretty quick. Hey, I understood it. I understood that because of my sin situation, and everybody has the same situation, I was on a crisis eternity. I needed a solution, and I found the solution in Jesus Christ. Found it in Him. So I was heading on the road, being a good moral guy. Being a good citizen of my community, uh, you know, being a, a good, try to be a, a good husband if I got married and be a good dad if I had kids and uh, be a good worker at my workplace. I was trying to be good. I'd go to church and I'd go to church events and I would enjoy it, but I was lost. 
I was lost. I realized that path wasn't going to get me to heaven. It wasn't going to get me a relationship with Jesus Christ, so I changed. I repented. I changed. I turned direction from this path, and I placed my full faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone, and I was marvelously saved. And the reality is, everyone in this room can have that same experience. You can do the same thing. You can make the same choice. And I look back now from when I got saved to now, and I just see how the Lord has provided over and over and over again. And He's opened the doors. He's closed the doors. He's shown His hand. And people say, well, I don't believe He's real. Well, you can't argue with me because I know He's real. I've seen Him do so many wonderful, marvelous things. I've seen Him answer prayer. I've seen Him do so many things. It's amazing. That's the truth about salvation, folks. And you need it. You need it. Truth about rewards. Truth about rewards, down verse number 28. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that have left houses or brethren or sisters or fathers um, and, and wife or children or lands for my sake in the Gospels, but shall receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. But many that are first shall be last and last first. When Peter hears this, he speaks up. Now, that doesn't really surprise us about Peter, right? Peter was always the first one to say something. He speaks up. He reminds Jesus that they had walked away from everything to follow Him. They had turned loose all their earthly responsibilities to follow Jesus Christ. I mean, really, they did, right? I mean, there was no social network back then. There's, the government wasn't sending Peter's family a few bucks every month to, you know, to help pay for the food and things of that nature. No, it was totally whatever they made provided for what they had. And these men had loose all those. They'd given up money, houses, businesses. There were fishermen there. All because Jesus asked them to. In Matthew's account of this event, it tells Peter, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? So really what he's saying is, what's in this for us? A lot of people have that same attitude about serving Jesus. They see the wicked prosper. And they see the righteous suffer. And they wonder, what good does it do for a person to follow Jesus? Jesus is about to tell us that those who follow Him have a definite advantage over those who, both here and in the and hereafter, that, that don't follow Him. You might feel sometimes like you're getting the short end of the stick. Have you ever been there? Getting the short end of the stick? I have been there on a couple occasions. It's not a real fun place to be, is it? You never wake up in the morning and say, I'm hoping I had the short end of the stick today. No one ever says that. The Lord has a word of encouragement for you. The, word, the Lord has a word of encouragement to those who seek to, and choose to follow Jesus rather than choose to follow the trinkets and toys of this world. He has a calming word. Jesus responds by letting Peter know that God sees, He records, and rewards every sacrifice that is made for Him. Isn't that a wonderful thing? There's nothing that you do for Jesus Christ that He don't know and He doesn't see and He doesn't record and He keeps record of it. That has a bit of a 
convicting side of it too because the Lord sees if you're actually doing for Him or you're doing for somebody else. So our hearts need to be in the right place. We're doing it for Him. We're doing it because we love Him. I just look back at my own life and I'll be honest, I have more brothers and sisters than I ever thought possible. And I'm so glad I didn't have to grow up with all of them. I think about it, I mean, I left home when I was 18 years old and went to Bible college and I came back to Newfoundland or St. John's area, that's where my folks live. I lived in that area for maybe a year and a half and then I left again. So, you know, I guess about 25-ish. I haven't lived back home since then. You know, we moved on. We went and started the church in the West Coast of Newfoundland and we came to Brampton and been living here ever since and now the Lord's just provided. He, you know, he, the Lord is willing to, if you're willing to be turned loose into the world for Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is going to be with you every step of the way. He won't leave you deserted. He won't get you to that destination and say, okay, see you later. Now he'll be with you every step of the way. When Jesus speaks of a hundredfold, he's simply meaning that there's more than you can imagine. He's not giving you an investment strategy here. He's not saying that if you give a dollar, you get a hundred in return. Though you might, and He might even give you a thousand. But the idea is that He's going to bless you beyond what you think. He's simply telling us that He has far more for us than anything that we could ever get if we give up following Him. Follow me, He says, and watch me, watch me do great and marvelous things for you. If you serve Jesus, He'll let you... He'll, he'll use you in ways and bless you beyond your wildest dreams. Now, I don't take lightly that God has called me to this church to be your pastor. And this is a dream. I mean, I can't believe it someday. Some days I've got to pinch myself. Sometimes my kids do it for me. The Lord's blessed. And I'm sure there's things you can look in your own life and say, Lord, though, has blessed me. I, 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 I stood, I, I started, I, I made a decision maybe six months ago. I said, I'm going to do what's right. I'm not going to care what anybody else thinks. I'm just going to do it for what, because it's what I need to do. It's what I should do. And I follow the Lord. I follow the Lord. I follow the Lord. And it's amazing to see how the Lord blesses that. He blesses it. Listen, He will not bless someone who will say, I'm going to follow you. I'm not talking about a thousand dollars, but He'll bless you with spiritual growth. He'll help you mature. He'll help you become a better servant for Jesus Christ. Just follow Him. Follow Him. He also lets know that there's hundredfold will come with persecution. I'm going to tell you right now, there's going to be a price to pay. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. There is. Not every, not everyone will be excited to see you serving Jesus Christ. Yesterday we did some outreach uh, here at the church. Thank you for all those who came out. I think we had about 25 folks out. And we passed out a bunch of John and Romans and folks did door knocking. And I know one group came back and said, there's one guy, he saw us come and said, hey, we don't want any of that here. Now that's pretty minor persecution. It's not even persecution, right? It's not. But it's a rejection. And we, who, who here likes rejection? That's what I thought. No one likes it. But the reality is, you're going to pay a price for serving Jesus Christ. There's going to be difficulties. There'll trials will come, and it will test your commitment. And what I found, God still blesses. 
And even if God doesn't give me something, and we've got to be careful that we get this world philosophy that blessings always us getting. Sometimes God uses us to help somebody else. That's the blessing too, folks. I'll be honest, that's some of the greatest blessings. Now, we've we got to get out of that mindset that it's all about us getting. Uh, we'll just see God be blessing and seeing. But the reality is, when we go through those trials, you know what the sweetest thing is? Is you know the Lord's with you every step of the way. I don't know how people do it without Jesus. I'm going to be totally honest with you. I don't know how they do it. There's trials and troubles that come. I've had in my own life. And if it wasn't for Jesus, I don't know how I would have got through it. It, he, he provides, he sustains. Then Jesus kind of iced the cake, you could say. He tells them that those who would turn loose will follow Him. He'll bless them in this life, and they'll receive eternal life. Talk about great! That's amazing! That is awesome! So Jesus tells us not to worry about this world has to offer, because it simply cannot compare to the life that's coming. You can't compare it. You can't say, well, the world has this and Jesus has this. The reality is the world is on the floor and heaven is like 2,000 miles above. That's all. If you're going to compare, there's nothing that can compare. It's so vastly different. You know, money can buy a lot of things, I know. I buy a lot of things in my life, but there's some things money cannot buy. Money can buy books, but it does not buy brains. Money can buy a house. But money cannot buy a home. Money can buy medicine, but it does not buy health. Money can buy amusements. And, man, it costs a lot for that, too. Go to Wonderland? Man, anyways. And I can give a testimony of this. If I buy a Wonderland ticket, it does not bring me happiness. It usually brings me sore feet and I'm grumpy. Money can buy a crucifix but I cannot buy a Savior. Do you have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? It will not matter how much money, how much things you have, when all at the end of the day, all that matters is if you have Jesus. If you have Jesus, if you accept Him as your Lord and Savior, you're saved, you're serving Him, you're on the way to heaven. You're on the pathway. And if you don't, you're lost. If you don't have them. And if you don't change it in this world, the next eternity is eternally, eternally separated from Him. Clear warning, verse 31, but many that are first shall be last and the last first. There are those, there are firsts in our world, you know, in the sense of People are all on the highest totem pole of such, of success. So many of them will finish last. They won't even get to heaven because they don't know Jesus Christ. And we see that our world, just our social media, our organizations, they promote the celebrities and, and their wealth and, and the wealthy persons. And, and there's a tendency to think that they're, they're really somebody. You know what? They're just like you and me. They need a Savior. There's nothing any more special than they... Oh, they might have more money in the bank, but at the end of the day, every individual walks upon the face of the earth, they need a Savior, and that's Jesus Christ. That's what they need. 
in God's eyes is not riches that make somebody special. It's faith in Jesus Christ that you're part of the family of God. You know, there's billionaires and millionaires who don't even make a blip on God's radar, but then there's a poor, faithful servant of God who serves and serves and serves, and God pays attention. He's looking. He's watching out for that individual. One day when we get to heaven, all those who reach or try to get there for the first, you know, they'll be the last. Uh, you know, just just set in your mind that you just want to serve God faithfully while He gives you breath. Just serve Him the best you can. Serve Him. Serve Him, serve Him, and see what He'll do to reward you, a faithful servant. This morning, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Folks, that's a really serious question. It's a very personal question. But I'm so glad to tell you that Jesus can be your personal Savior. Don't put it off. Don't say, I'll do it later. No. Get it settled today. Get it settled today. You don't have to, you don't have to reform a little bit to, to be saved. You can come to Jesus today. You know, we always need to be checking our attitudes. I was, I had an opportunity, I'm going to mention this a little bit tonight in my sermon. I had an opportunity to fly over Toronto this week. It was so cool. All right, it was one of one of my highlights of my life, like a sense of experience. It was so great, and uh, the, my friend was telling me about all the gauges on the airplane, and uh, he said, "And this is the one that shows us our attitude, you know, huh? how the plane is in the air. We need to be making sure our attitude is right. We need to make sure our attitude is right, and our attitude towards." Possessions, wealth, and money. Hey, let's make sure, Christian, that we're the masters of the wealth and the money and that, that we're not slaves to it. Let's make sure. Make sure that what we do have, we use it for the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. Amen? Lord's bless you with a home. Use it for the Lord. Lord's bless you with a vehicle. Bring people to church in it. <laughs> I try to do that all the time. And whatever the Lord's given you, use it for His glory. How's your faith? Is your faith growing? Is your faith growing? Can you see a visible distinction from this time, from now, from six months ago? Have you said, have you determined, say, I'm going to follow Jesus and I'm going to serve Him. I'm going to walk the way He's told me to walk. And listen, folks. Don't say, well, that person over there is not. You know what? You never give account for that person over there. You give account for your own life. You just make that determination today. I'm not going to be like that rich young ruler and walk away from the Lord. I'm going to walk with the Lord. I'm going to walk with Him wherever He leads me.